So um, thank you everybody for joining. And today it's our first Twitter space with a special guest, Regina. Uh, I think a lot of you know Regina, follows her. And um, yeah, Regina, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so, uh, well, uh, I am uh, just a absolutely normal person with no political background or whatsoever. Uh, I am a teacher myself. I uh, teach local uh, Russian-speaking kids Estonian language. And uh, yes, that's what I mostly do for a living. I also a mom of a bilingual kid. Uh, so yes, she speaks Russian, and but she doesn't try to read Russian. She has no intentions to learn it either. And she goes to Estonian school. She writes and uh, reads Estonian only and English now too. So this is what you mostly can uh, should know about me, I guess. So yeah. Yeah, thank you. Also, I, uh, like you are really active in supporting Ukraine. Like, what inspires you to support us so uh, bravely? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I think that uh, uh, the fact that I had already many friends in Ukraine uh, before the war, uh, even before the Crimea was occupied, I had some friends, uh, mostly online friends. Uh, who were Ukrainians, uh, who were living in Europe, in Ukraine, in the United States. I had some uh, online friends and I just noticed that uh, we had a lot of in common. Uh, we, were, we were having same opinions on multiple topics. We like uh, disliked Russia pretty much on the same level. Uh, and uh, well, that is what where it started. So uh, it was rather rather natural decision for me. There was no push from that. Got it. Um, also, I saw you shared like really great pictures from Tallinn today when the Estonians remember in the Holodomor. Um, is uh, are you guys doing it every year, or do you remember when it started? Uh, well. Uh, they do it it's the the organizers are it's the um i don't remember the correct exact name of the organization but it's the it's the ukrainian organization of estonia so association i guess so uh i know the leader i know who the on the board i know those great people and uh uh it last year for sure they did it for sure i don't really remember i wasn't really actually following it so much i guess were they doing it because after uh, after the uh, full scale invasion started uh, of course i was uh, like closer to them and we were commu communicating way more so uh, yes uh, they did it. it was like how many people there were like 50 60 70 i wasn't really counting so yes it was a, a one hour and a half long uh, uh memorial ceremony there yes yeah this is really like interesting for me because i think that um probably uh after um the president yushinko started pushing more, more and more to recognize a lot more 
and right now with the war like more and more countries uh in the united states for some reasons different states recognizing holodomor as a genocide of ukrainians but um probably for the last 10 years i see more and more countries more and more people understanding what happened and um remembering those people who was genocide in uh 30s and um Estonia got lucky because you guys weren't uh, under USSR this time, but you got there in 1940. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, languages. So you speak three languages. Uh, how are you keeping up? Like, because sometimes like I speak Ukrainian, Russian and English, and sometimes all those three languages is mixing and like some I'm forgetting a word in Ukrainian and I remember only word in English and vice versa. Oh, well, it actually happens to me also. Uh, so I might, uh, well, uh, I hope you don't hate me for that, that my uh, like native language is actually Russian. Uh, my grand-granddad spoke only German and because I have, I come from a very mixed family for like centuries they were mixing I I can when I got my DNA test like was okay right half of the Europe literally so um, uh, when I uh, speak Estonian on my class and I try to explain to my uh, students the new word and it happens quite a lot that I forget the word in Russian <laughs> I do forget, and I just well this this thing this this uh, the un un what this this un what ah oh, it's an apple okay you don't okay just the same very simple word and I forget it it happens to me also uh, because it I I think just my brain uh, refuses to switch to the other language at that moment because we are good we said the this word un and everybody knows what's that. But the, but the, those kids, they don't know it. And I have to explain it. So yes, I force my brain like to just stop and then, ah, oh, yeah, okay. So guys, that's, that's Apple. And uh, uh, yes, they do mix. And um, some things are easy, easier for me to explain in um, Estonian. Some things are easier for me to explain in English. And when, uh, and some things are easier for me to explain in Russian, like wh where I'm actually very angry, like extremely angry, then it's uh, way easier for me to explain it in, Ru in Russian. So yes, it is like that for me. And I think it's, um, it's, this, it's like, I think as a person who, who has uh, studied languages for uh, quite a while, uh, it's universal phenomenon. Like people all mix those languages. And Wait, what language is your inner dialogue in? Uh, excuse me, just just. Uh... What language is your inner dialogue in? What language do you think? Oh, in all of them. In all of them, and sometimes <laughs> yes, I do speak in uh, like inner dialogue goes in all of those languages, and sometimes as I also speak German, but this German is very, let us say, uh, I have like officially B one, 
And so, well, it's like this, uh, the level when you get the, when you get the citizenship. So it's like this good level you can speak, you understand, but on a very basic level, actually. So um, I speak German on this level and sometimes I switch to it too, because there are some words in German that uh, I think they suit the situation better. Uh, or if some Finnish words, because uh, I know some, well, I started uh, multiple times, I started learning Finnish and uh, uh, well, let's say it's hard. Uh, it's the hardest language I ever, I ever tried to learn. It's a very hard language and uh, not to compare with Estonian at all. Estonian is way easier uh, because I like did it. Oh, and here we go. And here we go. Uh, and um, so, yes, and sometimes I use some words that are only in Finnish language. For example, this word uh, is called kamos. Kamos is um, the winter darkness. Uh, it's it's uh, the specific word, word for that in Finnish language. The winter darkness where there is no light in the day and in the night. So it's like complete darkness during the 24 hours. It's called kamos. There is interesting. I didn't know this word. Um, also, guys, I see some some of our students and mentors is in the audience. Please um, get a microphone. Ask Regina questions. It's, it's not the first space for me with Regina, and I know a lot about her. <laughs> and um, maybe you have some questions as well. Um, also, what I wanted to uh, uh, ask Regina: Can you tell us when you start like uh, learning English? Because you are pretty fluent in English. Well, as most of the kids in Estonian schools, I guess, in the third grade, uh, that's, but I was very keen on English because it opened a lot of possibilities for me to get the information uh, firsthand uh, from the, about some, no, as kids mostly want to learn about their, like, cartoons and so on, the entertainment, the favorite boy bands, favorite girl bands and so on. I was growing up in the 90s, so we were like the uh, the borders were finally open. And so the, this all this information f flew into Estonia. And uh, well, in Estonia, uh, fluent English is very common. Uh, you don't see it only in the small villages somewhere, but and in the older generation, but among the uh, those who are like 30, 30s, 40s, uh, they are, most of them are very fluent in English. And it's not that, uh, well, if you are, get at least like uh, 12th grade education, you should be pretty good in English if you live in Estonia. Uh, it's not that something that is not uncommon. It's, I don't know what it's about the, the, the Estonians just using so much English information, information in English or, or something else, or just the curiosity about, oh, it's better to do it in English. We have better chances of, if we know English, I don't know, but most of Estonians speak very good English. This is actually really cool because um, what my experience with the students uh, when I'm verifying them for our project, 
probably more than 80% of them telling me that like, yeah, I learned English in school, in university, but because they don't have a practice to speak English in Ukraine, they really forgetting like a lot of uh, things that they learn in the school. And I have the same problem. Um, so I was uh, uh, learning English at school at the university. And then when um, I lived in London a little bit and then I moved to United States and I had this problem to start talking to people <laughs> because you always overthinking about the phrase you want to say. And a lot of Ukrainian students who's, uh, who's uh, learning English with our project right now, they had like the same problem. Like I know the vocabulary, I know grammar, but start speaking. It's something that you have to overcome, uh, stop like uh, being afraid to make mistakes and things. Um, do you have any uh, suggestions how to break this barrier better? Well, it's a very well-known uh, phenomenon also uh, with any language, pretty much, because uh, I, as an Estonian teacher, uh, I encourage my uh, students, they they do, they have the, absolutely the same problem. They know, but they are so afraid of speaking because they are afraid of making a mistake. Uh, and, well, what I suggest them, uh, please do watch a lot of, uh, like, movies. Don't... Uh, if, if you need, uh, listen to them in the in English. Uh, if you need subtitles, okay, just fine. Subtitles, but not the, because you have to get used to the sound. You, your brain will start like mimicking this because a lot of my English is not from the classes. Oh, for God, no, no, no. My English is mostly from the movies, from the TV shows, from the uh songs from like from there it's not from the books let's say and uh i, I have literally like no uh problem i never had this uh language border with uh english this is what i never had Be because i learned it from the movies from the uh shows and so on so on so on from like this living language of course, I then checked some of the phrases, some words. Okay, what do they, what, what does this mean? Okay, just wait a minute. So, yes. And yes, you pick up this accent. <laughs> this is funny thing. You pick the accent that you were mostly listening to. So, yes, I'm, like people say, you mostly speak like something American. Because, yes, most of the, because I watch mostly the American shows. Yes, of course, because those were most American shows that I watched. Yes, and actually, I watched a lot of them as a child. Another one thing, in Estonia, we do not translate anything into... No movies are translated. No TV shows are translated. We hear all this original English, German, Finnish, Swedish, or whatever. We only do subtitles. So this is just like one big... Uh, on Estonian television, Estonian cinemas, they do not put the dub on there. They just uh, put the subtitles, nothing else. So it's just like a very big like plus for for learning the language. You can go to the movie, you still hear the English. This is cool. I actually didn't know that you guys don't do dubbing and you have only subtitles. Uh, I see the blogger that is here. Hey, how are you doing? And uh, yeah, good evening. Good evening. I have a question. <laughs> you know, like I say, meme about uh, Fox uh, with 
hand, uh, hands up. I have a question about Estonian language uh, because Estonian is uh, not in the European language, like, for example, um, Ukrainian and English are in the European language, and this language has some common moments. And uh, I am very curious, uh, like Finnish and Estonian, as I know, have this common moments because it's uh, the same family of languages. And I know, I'm curious what difference between uh, Finnish Estonians and uh, like uh, Indo European languages like uh, German English. And uh, uh, what common, um, what difference and what commons? Like, I hope you understand. <laughs> yeah, of course, I totally understood what you said, like that right, right now. Um, well, let us say we have 14 cases, a lot of cases, because we like completely need to know everything very, very, very exactly. Uh, as I like to name our list, uh, uh, case system because it's uh, 16 cases in Finnish and 14 cases in uh, Estonian it, it horrifies people when they see it uh, but uh, when I say guys it's a perfect GPS system installed in a language guys you will like it it is so easy for you to actually to say some things and it's way and the and those because of those cases uh, the sentences are so much shorter than they are in russian or uh, for example in russian absolutely absolutely way shorter like uh, my uh, russian text is uh, 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 it's too <laughs> estonian text compared to russian is uh, two-third like you one third will be gone in translation just because those uh others so uh, exact and so like uh they are just uh, uh put it with less uh effort and the meaning stays the same so um but what do we have in common uh there is uh <laughs> let us say uh, you mostly understand, like you guess, so you understand what Finnish Finns are speaking. But actually, our languages are not that, uh, they are not that in common. Uh, without actually studying it, uh, you can do some ba very basic things, like, uh, and like literally the word tram, like it's a very basic word. Um, it's tram, tram on the in uh, estonian but if you go to finland there is no tram it's um uh, oratikas. uh yes <laughs> it's this word they have their own words for many things that are actually very universal in the other languages like telephone on or like computer and so on so on uh they are different so they are very they don't want to let a lot of uh, foreign words into their language and they just keep it like clear uh what is uh common health and finnish and uh, uh well estonian language was organized by germans finnish wasn't because uh, there were no germans in finland ever 
they never occupied uh, Finland, but Estonia was occupied uh, by Germans when they were like, uh, yes, in the Middle Ages. And they were, and there were a lot of uh, uh, Germans who stayed here until the very, very late time, until the Second World War. And so they influenced the language quite a lot. And there are a lot of words that are um, uh, like the dress, it's the plate or in Estonian or plate in, in uh, uh, German uh, or the um, Amet, it's the job profession, Amt, it's, uh, that's a German word, but pretty much the same. Or oh, this uh, Arst is this uh, in Estonian, that's a doctor and Arst uh, on, in uh, German. So there is a lot of influence from German in Estonian and zero German influence in Finnish. And Finnish, because Germans were like they also do, they want everything to be very, very correct. So yes, it influenced quite a lot Estonian language. It became simpler, like shorter, and uh, like everything was on its place. Uh, Finnish language is, uh, it was stayed as it was born. It was like that, and it was for many, many years, and just uh, was living its free life because Swedes, they did nothing to it as they, as they were like occupying. Uh, uh, Russians didn't want to do anything about this Finnish language, only they wanted to, well, as usually to exterminate it, but they failed. Uh, so yes, so the language was living its life and no one actually, uh, except the Finns themselves, ever dealt with this language. So that's the biggest difference. So we have a way bigger German influence on on our language and culture, and um, Finns don't. Finns don't have it. So that's the main difference. What you have to when you open like the textbook of Finnish and the textbook of Estonian, that's what you see. We have way shorter words. Uh, Finns still have this some way high. Uh, like phrases and they're longer but we don't have it anymore so that's the main difference okay uh, another question <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, like in ukraine we have uh, like published one book uh, very popular about uh, influence on ukrainian language in soviet time like literally like language uh, Soviets tried to exterminate Ukrainian language and uh, tried in a, a different different ways. For example, like uh, uh, arised uh, words uh, in Ukrainian and put uh, on this place like Russian words. And I have questions about uh, uh, Soviet occupation period uh, and how Soviets tried to exterminate Estonian language. Because I'm sure that they tried. <laughs> oh, they absolutely tried. It's, it's, it was not only in the Soviet occupation, it was before, it was in, in the Tsar time, except, uh, ex uh, well, Alexander II. And he is like... Uh, when he was like prohibiting many things uh, in Estonia too, in Finland too. So all of the places got, got like this uh, special treatment like, and um, 
just another wave of falsification. But in um, um, when uh, Estonia, well, there is one difference with Ukraine. Estonia was uh, uh, like a free country, completely free country from the 1918. So we had like this 20 years gap. So we managed to do something ourselves with our language too. And there was like way more done. It Okay, it was also tried to destroy it. During the Soviet period, like the, what they did first, uh, when the, they occupied first, then uh, the first deportations uh, were in the 1947, uh, the biggest ones. That's the Operation Priboy or the this Operation Tide. Uh, this war from uh, from the all the three countries from Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania. Uh, the, there was quite a lot of we are small countries, so those numbers are quite big for our countries. But I just don't have them right now in my memory. Uh, it was quite a significant. But who was exactly those people who was sent on the cattle cars in to Siberia? Those were the intellectuals. They were those people with the knowledge. Those were the teachers of Estonian. Those were the directors of the schools. And uh, uh, there is a quite a famous movie. <laughs> of course, it's pro prohibited in Russia. And it's called Tavarish uh, Rebionok. Uh, it's also like in Estonian. Uh, and it's based on the uh, childhood memories of one writer. And because her mom was a, a school director and Estonian teacher who was uh, deported by NKVD to, and yes, she never returned. And how it was, uh, it's a uh, uh, hard to watch movie because you see this from the eyes of this kid. Uh, so yes, they, uh, they renamed a lot of our streets in Tallinn, in, uh, they renamed them. Um, uh, cities. Uh, Tallinn, okay, they was Tallinn, they this uh, uh, erased the second N because Lin in Tallinn, yes, and Tallinn is always with two L and two N, never, never one N because this is the Russians who put one N in the end. Uh, it's the, it's this, the Russian tradition. Uh, because Lin, it means it's Estonian word and it means city. Uh, it the name has the meaning, and so they still think what does it mean? Does it mean the tal? What does tal mean? It might be the the winter. Tali. Tali is one of the version of the winter name in Estonia. We have like the tal for the tali, uh, and um, they also. Uh, so yes, so, so just to raise that this name has a meaning and the meaning in Estonian does exist and it says this is a city. Uh, and um, what else? The, a lot of uh, writers were persecuted. Uh, the, all sent to the gulags and to the uh, loonies just uh, get away from Estonia and, and uh, only the uh, the president Bats, uh, who was the president at the time of the occupation he was uh, uh, held in the loony and then I guess he he died there very soon at, and I think I don't remember exactly the story but it wasn't the natural death uh, and uh, they of course the um, 
uh, a lot. Uh, they didn't have many uh, Russian schools here before the occupation. There was never many Russians here at all. Like it was uh, like, well, uh, 8%, 6% of Russians here compared to those 28 at the end of the occupation. So a lot of people from the all over Russia, or all over Soviet Union were brought in. Instead, that's the, the all you know, very common for them. And uh, what they also do, they replace those really bright, very, really dangerous people for them who could really fight back. Those like individuals who really could be dangerous for them and replace them with those like well, those Soviet uh, Soviet slaves who came from from literally nowhere. And um, uh, they established Russian schools. There are way less Estonian schools and um, there are a lot of uh, press in Russian. Uh, books were published in Estonia, they, they, but there is way less of them. Uh, so all this uh, national song festival was prohibited for some time, but then they return it. But under some, uh, I guess it was in the 60s uh, after Stalin died, uh, because we have the song festival and it's a national uh, celebration that actually started the first republic in the first place. So Stalin was extremely scared of that and prohibited it. So in when Khrushchev came to power, then he said, oh, well, maybe we can still do it. And just like the workers of all the like nations unite under this slogan. And they actually returned it for some time. So, but that was this um, in the 60s. So. Uh, so a lot of a lot of education in uh, Russian. So uh, if you wanted to have a edu good education, you wanted to be somewhere an engineer, or you wanted to be a doctor, and so on. You had to study. Actually, yes, uh, you could study. There were way less places to study in Estonia, and a lot of places to study in Russian. So, well, they failed, they failed because we had Tartu, Tartu University has a very, uh, most of our universities are not from that time. And Tartu has a long, long, long uh, history and a lot of pretty famous people, as we including this um, Viragov, uh, uh, the, uh, he was like, he was Russian, yes, but he was working in Tartu University and uh, he invented his all this, uh, what he invented uh, in Tartu, actually. So um, embryology was started in Tartu uh, by some German uh, scientists, von Berg. And um, because we had like this, uh, our own agenda, okay, we have this university, we have this university, we have this thing. And what you're going to do, you cannot destroy it because you, you need it. So that was like the, uh, they and they wanted to use uh, Estonia and the boat and the Baltics itself as a like shop window. So to show all the West that actually the whole Soviet Union looks like the Baltic countries. What was a complete lie? Of course, it was a complete lie. But this is exactly what they wanted to see.
Yes. Yeah, for example, like uh, Estonia already has uh, uh, like interest in architecture and beautiful cities, and like all Soviets look looks like Estonia. Yeah, no, it's, it's bullshit, of course. That's what they wanted to to show people. Actually, the whole Soviet Union is that beautiful, and that we have like very rich, literally again stealing our history, our own achievements, our own like. Uh, rather complex uh, uh, development of the of the nation of the country it was a rather complex because like we were estonians were uh, under the rule of many 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 uh since like since this uh, the german knights came here uh, and the Danes came to the northern Estonia, and the Germans came to the southern Estonia, and then the Poles came, and yes, the Ukrainians came too, actually. Um, and so, because Tartu, they did, they, <laughs> they burned out the Tartu. Yes, they did. It was the the, the northernmost, the northernmost place they managed to go was Tartu. Yes, they did. They did actually, and uh, it was very long ago. It was like the the brightest, the the the, the highest point of the uh, Kievan Rus. That was the that when when it was yes. But yes, it happened. The Poles came, and that's literally everyone. All our neighbors were like uh, Swedes came, and. Ev- pretty much everybody so with and the Estonians were like living their life on their uh on their this uh well what I- interesting is there a word in English language for a talo it's because you have to know what talo is it's um it's a farmstead yes it's farmstead uh and Estonians don't live in villages they live in farmsteads they are complete introverts and they want to live by themselves so they live in farmsteads yes but the family has a farm farmstead and uh, well there can be not many things around it and some next farmstead is somewhere like two three kilometers estonians (laughs) love personal space Quite a lot, quite a lot, yes. It's the same as with Finns. They just live, they have like their own farmsteads, their own uh, cottages, like in this, uh, in Finland, they have the Möki. The Möki culture is something, I experienced it a lot. It, it, it's very good for your <laughs> mental health, let us say. Uh, it's um, a cottage near the, um, it's a cottage, and it might have literally uh not much uh it's very simple actually it might have internet it might not have internet might have indoor toilet might not have the ones i stayed in were like the the good ones and they had everything inside it was very beautiful what they all always have is sauna that is what they always have and they as the finland has like oh i don't know it's the amount of lakes they have is enormous. It's, it's thousands, literally ten thousands of lakes in Finland, and so and uh, a lot of swamps. So yes, they have sauna. That will be so. You literally switch off from your everyday life and go to your mekki, 
that's this uh, uh, cottage you know, in the woods and you spend your time there. Yes, this is how they, and in Estonia, it's not that oh, spread because they also, they lived anyway quite far from each other. Yes. Uh, I see we have another uh, speaker, Maxim, do you want to uh, ask Regina something? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, can I ask you a question uh, related to history? Uh, we know that uh, there was a civil war between Red Army and White Army. So, and there was also another battle. It's called Estonian War for Independence. Can you tell me why uh, why Russian White Army fought for uh, Estonian independence? If you go to Wikipedia, it says that uh, Russian White Army was fighting for uh, Estonian independence against a uh, uh, Red Army. Can you tell me why Russian nationalists uh, were fighting for uh, Estonia? Thank you. Uh, well, uh, I have a guess about this. They were hoping that if they help them to gain independence, there will be a possibility that Estonia uh, will have like some kind of a uh, won't actually leave Russian Imperium at that time if they still win. Because they actually what they wanted to do is to like uh, to fight the Bolsheviks. That's what the, was their main game. And and what is what Estonians wanted just to break free from this. And their main uh, main enemy of them both were the Bolsheviks. The Red Army were the main enemy. So they just shared the enemy, just the same, and not nothing more. They just shared the enemy. And uh, actually, maybe they had this plan. Oh, if we win, maybe Estonians won, will remember that, and we will remind them, and then maybe they won't leave, and maybe... So there was like many, it's just a speculation. That's just a speculation, but... Uh, the most thing they had their common enemy because Bolsheviks would never let go, absolutely. Uh, but well, let us say, uh, it was um, in that time, uh, the arrival of the British Navy to the Baltic Sea uh, actually was absolutely crucial, and then the uh, Estonian army. Uh, reached so far into Russian Federation uh, that uh, it was actually very clear that the Red Army was defeated. It was very far how, how far they reached. If you see in the Wikipedia, you can see it. But uh, please don't read it in Russian because it's uh, what I read about Estonia in the Russian Wikipedia. It's complete bullshit propaganda. I, I read it li just lately. And oh my goodness, it's literally written by FSB. So yes, I just just a common enemy. That's all. Thank you. Well, another question is, uh, you know, Russian state media, Russian uh, well, propaganda says a lot about the so-called negrajdanie, non-citizen. What is actually? And what does it mean to be non-citizen? Is it true that you know all of this, you know, bullshit Russia tells about Estonia? What is it actually, non-citizen status? Uh, yes, we do have it. Uh, it's not. It's we. Uh, Latvia has it. 
Lithuania doesn't have it, they didn't want it, this bullshit. They just said, yeah, okay, decide, you're a Russian or Lithuanian. No, like, no middle ground. No middle ground. Are you Russian or Lithuanian? You're Russian, get Russian passport. You're Belarusian, get Belarusian passport. You're Lithuanian, get Lithuanian passport. That's all. Uh, and if you are, your native language is Russian, yeah, there is one thing. Okay, that's Lithuanian. They got it the simple way because they had the less amount of Russians in their state. No one actually wanted to go there even because they knew how much Lithuanians hated Russians. Because, well, Lithuanians are Catholics. And, um, well, we know what uh, this uh, the stance on religion by the Soviet uh, power. They hated religion. So that's why. Okay, so about Estonia. Yes, we do have this uh, so-called alien passport. Yes, the alien passport is called officially alien passport. It's a gray color. We call it the gray passport. Uh, well, I, I think this gray passport is, is even more neutral than uh, neutral than this uh, alien passport name. Uh, it doesn't give you this. Like it's for me, it's like alien passport. Okay, from what planet are you then from? And. Uh, uh, who grants this? Okay, we need to open the uh, Constitution of Estonia. Who can be granted Estonian citizenship? First of all, you cannot be citizen of any other country at all. So you have to uh, give up. Well, there are cases where people like, they are born in the US to Estonian parents. Can they have this two passport? Yes, they can. As uh, two Estonian citizens, two Estonian citizens are the parents born in uh, United. Yes, they can. That, but that's because of the U.S. Constitution, not because of Estonian. Uh, so, but what about the aliens? Uh, I never had it because my grand great uh, because my grandma was born in Tallinn uh, in 1918, in July. Estonia got independence on, it's, uh, I will say, a very scary date right now, just 24th of February, 1918. Yes, it's our independence day. It's a, it's a funny coincidence, but yes. 24th of February is our um, independence day. Um, and... Um, Everyone who was born in Estonia and was living in uh, Estonia by the time uh, independence was declared were automatically citizens. Yes. And if you were brought here in Esto to Estonia after or your parents were brought here or moved to Estonia after the occupation, you could not be granted this passport. Because that's where this line goes. Um, and those people who were born here or came here after the occupation because most of them indeed came, like 99.9% .9 of them came to, um, they came 
uh, from other parts of the Soviet Union. Where from? From where from they could they came? From the United States? No. From uh, France? From Germany? No. From Sweden? No. They came from Soviet Union. Uh, this occupation was illegal. Yes, it's a fact, uh, and it means if the occupation is illegal, that all people who moved to this country moved here illegally. They are literally illegal immigrants. How can they be granted? It's, uh, it's pur purely legal question. Nothing to do about this hate or something. No, it's a purely legal question. And they make a great like propaganda from this. If you move here from in uh, during the occupation, can you be granted citizenship? No, because you're illegal immigrant. And uh, all the kids who were born to whatever parent, to whatever parent after the restoration of independence are automatically citizens too. So uh, it's just this, uh, the alien passport thing is uh, only because uh, the people who came here illegally during the occupation legally came here illegally. That's all. And uh, yes, of course, um, uh, as Russia never actually admitted, they occupied Estonia, this word occupied. Even right now, when uh, they're like, uh, just lately, one of uh, my friends wrote an article about this and he stated, please get used to this word occupation. It's nothing else but this, but illegal occupation. It's legally correct and factually correct. So please get used to it. Okay, so it's like, it's like you know, Russia annexed Crimea back in uh, 2014. And so Russian citizens who came in Crimea, they will not uh, be granted Ukrainian citizenship because they are illegally uh, in, uh, illegally live in uh, Crimea, right? Something like this. Absolutely. Because they should be deported. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and also it's not uh, annexation it's about occupation because annexation it's another term uh, what means uh, it's uh, recognized but in other countries. But uh, Crimea as part of Russia uh, recognizes like Iran yeah <laughs> recognizes. So not even uh, Iran recognizes Crimea as like uh, like few few countries <laughs> but in UN, for example, it's not recognized. That's why uh, uh, annexed Crimea, it's not correct uh, uh, term. Yeah, so it's occupation. I'm not uh, like lawyer. I have zero like um, in that. But logically speaking, it is occupation. And uh, um, uh, that, that's actually... A, in the in the 90s when there was like this a lot of people indeed returned back to where they came from where they were like in the in the summer of 95 a lot uh, 
the Soviet army left, yes, they were for three years more here. Yes. Uh, so they left and with them, a lot of uh, their wives, their kids, all of them left. Well, some of them indeed stayed actually. I have, I know, I know some kind of, um, a couple of people. Uh, I know them because they are on the right side of the history. They decided, okay, yes, our parents were on the wrong side of history. We decide to be on the right side of history and they support Ukraine. And this is how I know them. Yes. But look, uh, you claim, uh, you know, Blagodat uh, just said that, you know, uh, they must be deported uh, from Crimea if they are illegally in Crimea, because most of Russian citizens who live right now in Crimea came after uh, occupation of Crimea. So we will uh, expel them if we liberate Crimea. But when it comes to your country, Estonia, I mean, uh, is it, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you need to be to live in Estonia for five years and know Estonian language to become a, uh, for, to become from non-citizen to become a, a citizen, right? Well, it's more than five years. First of all, you have to have first of all, um, uh, you get have to get a permanent resident uh, residence here, and that's the first thing. Seven years is uh, is the minimum you have to live here, and only live for some very short period, like on a holiday. No, you cannot leave Estonia for like half of a year. No, you cannot. You will lose those months. Only you can go for a holiday. No, like really long trips are excluded. You cannot do it. Uh, if you want to get Estonian citizenship. Uh, two or three months, no, you cannot do it. No, you will lose it. And um, you have to pass an exam on uh, B1 level uh, Estonian language. It's very doable, actually. It's rather doable. Like, I teach some Ukrainians here and, well, I don't know, they, they can do it right now already. It's been only one and a half year then they're here and they can do it. I don't know what's the problem with all those guys who, who whine from their last night. That's the, uh, the, the place that uh, Soviets built. Uh, uh, it big gray ghetto, the typical uh, Soviet panelkas, uh, where they live and um, like all the normal, uh, all the like Russian speakers, they're not, all, all, not of them are Russians. Some of them are from very different parts of the Soviet Union. Uh, all those normal, okay people moved away from there because it's not possible to live there. I tried, believe me, I tried. I had a boyfriend from there in the in the 2000s. It's awful. It's you you are just depressed by walking on those streets. So they are, they are awful. That's our district Glasnamaya where those mostly most of the Vatniks live, but it's the most densely populated uh, place in Tallinn, yes. So yes, most of them live there. Mardu, that's the suburb. This uh, and the Ida Viruma, that's uh, near the Russian border. Well, Can you tell more about them? Uh, like, uh, what, how wide 
is Russian spread in Estonia and um, how do you deal with it, with all the Russian impact and or Russian influence uh, on Estonian minds, like uh, Russian well, literature, uh, Russian culture yeah. and so on and so forth? Uh, yes, well, in uh, Estonia, as we are very different, Estonians, they're very they just think differently. They are, yes, they are deeply introverted, but from time to time, uh, they learn to open up. They are way more opened up right now, at the moment. But uh, let us say, um, okay. Uh, in Tallinn, there is quite a lot of Russians, I have to say. I would say 45%, I'm not mistaking. Now it might be 45 so, uh, yes, you hear quite a lot of Russian speech in Tallinn. Uh, not all of them are Vatniks, not all of them. I'm sorry, I speak Russian, sure. Uh, not all of the people uh, who live in Lasname are Vatniks. Uh, not all people who uh, live in Mardu are Vatniks. Uh, not all people who live in Vida Viruma. Ida Viruma, uh, let's say, my uh, father actually comes from Ida Viruma. Uh, he is Baltic German. Uh, that's why I have this name. Uh, he's Baltic German. He's, uh, his father actually speaks. His native language was German. And uh, yes, they were cool. It was uh, pretty hard for them. Yes, they had, of course, to learn Russian. Uh, actually, to just, just to live somewhere in Soviet Union, yes. So... And uh, it, they're actually lucky they got out of the of the camps because, yes, they were sent from the camps. Uh, and, yes, they returned to Gokhlayarve. It's this uh, coal mining. Uh, well, let us say, what is Gokhlayarve? It's like a mini Donbass of uh, Estonia. Yes, it's coal mining uh, district. They have the Stericons. This, well, the, you know what this is. And we have terricons, we have all this coal mining thing, uh, we have some things that in northern Estonia we have a very important thing, uranium. We have natural uranium in Estonia, and yes, the Soviets, of course, they wanted this, and they established the closed city of Silamaya. Yeah, a closed military city. Uh, it was just, there was nothing, but there was like uranium mine there. Uh, it nearly destroyed uh, Estonian um, ecology. Uh, yes, it could. And there was like um, laboratories and the closed military city and so on, so on, so on. Yes. Uh, also, oh, we have Narva. Narva is complete. Uh, well, if you think about Narva, the all the cities in Estonia are small. Well, Tallinn is uh, uh, the whole Estonia. Just to give you that, because I know how big Ukraine is, 
I think about a country of one million, 1.3 million people. It's a country in the size of a Kharkiv, literally, Estonia. Uh, and uh, you see this, we have this on the border, exactly on the border, on the river, Narova, we have uh, Narva city. It's a very, it was once a very beautiful, uh, very, very beautiful Baroque, uh, one of the uh, best preserved Baroque cities in Estonia until it was bombed to the ground. So Narva has a really similar history uh, because it was literally bombed to the ground. Like a single buildings left. Uh, one of them is the town hall. Um, is the, and some close standing cities. All of the other Narva uh, was bombed down. Uh, there was 64 Eight percent of Estonians who were living there, their mother tongue was Estonian. And uh, now, what do you think? What is the percent of Estonian speaking in Narva right now? It's four. Four percent of Narva citizens speak Estonian first language, speak Russian or some other language, but mostly it's Russian. So this is what, uh, there's a lot of fightings, quite a lot of fightings there, because the city was completely uh, destroyed and rebuilt into quite an ugly place, yes. The Narva castle survived, the downfall survived, a couple of buildings nearby survived, the last, uh, last was just in ruins. Yes, the, those people who died on the place of Fled to the other, to other parts, are now deported. And uh, the original citizens, we have a lot of islands, like really of islands. The small one, the big ones. Literally, no one speaks Russian here. There, <laughs> literally, no one. If you go to the north, southern Estonia. If you go to Perno, if you go to uh, Tartu, if you go to uh, Hapsalu, uh, uh, there is not much of a Russian speech you will hear. There is not much, no one, not much of them, just not much of them. It's more common for me, like I was in, I come to my ex-husband and the, his family lives in Perno. So it's a, it's a, um, it's a summertime city. It's a poor art city where you go to spend your time on the big, the best beach in, in Estonia is in Perno. Uh, very, very calm sea because it has a very, very deep bay. Uh, and, and they have some infrastructure to, uh, minimize the waves so it's very calm it's very calm it's very warm the sun sets exactly it's sun is always shining directly on the beach and it's very beautiful there yes and it has a lot of spas it's also like a summertime city 
and we call it the summer capital of Estonia. It's unofficial, but yes, it uh, we have this name, summer capital of Estonia is Perno. Uh, I even hear Ukrainian speech even more there. Yes, I hear more Ukrainian speech than Russian in Perno uh, after the after the war or after the full um, uh, the full invasion. Uh, so. This is how it is. It's like the sports uh, in Tallinn, in Mardu. That's this uh, industrial uh, suburb. They have some factories there, and of course, uh, those factories were, were built during the occupation. And uh, yes, the people who came to work in those factories are mostly from the other parts. They had nothing to do with Estonia. Uh, and yes, there are a lot of ethnics there. Like uh, even Lastnama is better. Even less than because they see like this uh, life in Tallinn, uh, how it is. They, see, they don't want it, this this, this uh, Ruskimir anymore. They see that, oh, my lecture is quite good. Well, we actually, if you work here, you can afford quite a lot. Oh, you, if you study and you know the language, actually you have a lot of chances to make something. Uh, so, yes, they, they try to like... Uh, today I was uh, on this um, memorial service, Holodomor uh, memorial service, and there was a guy who was literally from Las Namaya. He was literally from Las Namaya. And he is uh, he's from Napo, and uh, he hates Vatniks, he hates it absolutely. Uh, the, uh, unfortunately, um, Dania... Daniel Kurakin, who who is also in on Twitter, he couldn't join us. He was in London, uh, but yes, they are also from Lastama and they are not Vatniks. The younger generation, this generation who was born in Estonia and pre-Estonia, they had never seen this. They just they don't want it. They don't need it to live in a free world to have the possibilities. So there is actually hope, and those Vatniks who still live there. Uh, they are mostly the older population. They're, they're, they're older, they are like in the 50s, 40s, 60s. Uh, I don't see much of a young people who support it. Most of them are like older generation. And I, I, I think that they actually miss more their, miss more their like um, being young than, than uh, being stuck here in Estonia without any possibilities. Uh, or, or any chances to do something for themselves. I'm so yes, those Vatniks uh, they tend to disappear right now. Yes, they, there's way less of them than there was on this uh, on the um, when they ha when we have the Bronze Night on the in April two thousand seven. There were way less. People just don't want it anymore. They understand it's nothing good comes from there, from the east. Nothing good comes from there. Uh, in maybe in Narva they think differently, but well, uh, when we deport them, for some reason they demand us to take them back. Well, we send them to the land of their dreams, to Russia. They were like supporting Russia so peacefully here in, in Estonia. Okay, we send them there, and then they want to go back. Like, why? What's logic here? Thank you, Regina, for your answer. Also, San is joining us. Hey, San, how are you doing? Uh, San, um, the founder of our project. 
Hi there. Um, nice to see everyone, and it's been really interesting hearing from you, um, Regina. I, I I'm not sure. I I missed the beginning. I'm, I'm sorry, but um, I was wondering if you had any any um tips for our mentors about about teaching or about helping people with English. For me, it's the it's just trying to f make someone feel comfortable enough to be happy to make mistakes. Um, do you have any advice for the mentors about how to create an environment that allows the student to feel comfortable speaking in a different language? Well, yes, I spoke a little bit about this in the beginning. Uh, uh, well, I just remember how I myself, um, I teach Estonian. Uh, and what actually helped me to uh, stop be uh, stop fearing the mistakes? Uh, well, the fact that uh, first of all, in Estonia, it's actually very very easy uh, because Estonians will never tell you you're making a mistake. They will never tell you. Uh, they just understand you and uh, will answer you. That's all. They never correct you. They will never criticize you for making mistakes. It's just uh, in Estonia, it's very, very easy. They Estonians create this uh, uh, environment for you to open up and speak because they uh, they don't correct you. They don't criticize. They don't laugh at you because you said something funny. Uh, and it was a funny mistake. Well, there was maybe one time that I literally translated one thing from... Um, from Russian to Estonian, and uh, it was funny for because the in Estonian such phrase doesn't exist. Uh, but yes, well, I'm smarter. Great, fine. I know that now. Now I know. Uh, in uh, but in um, feeling comfortable is extremely important. I completely agree with that because uh, if you feel this pressure, you are. Uh, you are actually panicking. You are a bit panicking from the making mistakes. You you shut down. You don't open up. So um, there are like uh, we have this uh, sort of uh, speaking clubs. We have speaking cafes where people come and just speak on the on the topic of the day. For example, we have like forty five minutes, sixty minutes, depends on how we agreed on. Uh, and we just speak about it, what we think about this topic, what our, without any judgment, without any correcting the mistakes, without anything. So just to feel free and to feel, uh, just to prove yourself that yes, you can speak and yes, that's absolutely okay. The other thing what I recommend people is uh, please um, listen to this language listen because you will mimic it this is how kids learn uh kids learn language uh, completely in a different way they don't have textbooks they don't have those exercises they just listen so now this is my another advice please uh listen to the movies on in the in english uh, if you have netflix you have disney channels if you have those channels that you can subscribe to and they are in uh, English language. Please, like in Estonia, we don't dub. We have, it's like uh, uh, completely like the bliss we have in Estonia. And in Finland, actually, too. We don't dub. We do subtitles. In every cinema, 
in every movie that is an, another language, it's never dubbed. It's always have the subtitles. So you hear the language. This is how kids learn. They hear. Yeah. Um, Vit, did you have? Did you want to ask a question? Vit. He's on hold. On on mute. Um, thank you for that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I wasn't on the, on the mute. I was talking <laughs> about dubbing and about uh, running uh, films uh, in English in cinemas. Um, we had uh, the same public discussion in Ukraine as we have this um, law uh, for making English as an international language of uh, language of an international communication. And um, uh, the public discussion came about um, the thing: what will be with uh, visual impaired uh, people or people who don't uh, see uh, clearly? Uh, how do you deal with it? Uh, are there some uh, special uh, cinemas or uh, something like that? Because it was important. It was an important point in discussion. Well, that's actually a very interesting point you brought up right now. Because I actually have no idea if we have it. Because in most of the like, we have some uh, like special uh, show where it's uh, dubbed. We have like one maybe in a week. Uh, but most of them are still subtitled. So I guess uh, that is how they decided to do. Like tomorrow, I'm actually going uh, to the to see one of really great movies uh, by Jarmusch, and it will be it will not be dubbed. I know it. It will be original voice. It will be how it is. And yes, it was like that since forever. Since I know, since I started watching the movies in uh, Estonia on TV, it was never subtitled. It was always subtitled, never dubbed. So yes, and actually the funny thing, yes, why uh, older generation Estonians know Finnish so well? Uh, I wrote about this in my quite old post because it's a true story. Uh, that uh, in the 70s, uh, the Finns uh, built their own, um, it's 70s, Soviet Union, we are occupied, Finland is not occupied, they are just Finlandization, uh, how is this to say, the Finlandization is on them, so they are like, uh, not actually very free in doing their own decisions, because they have this nasty neighbor across the border, who might say, stop, no, 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 not like that. But they still could do something. But at least they were free and not occupied. So uh, they built a new television uh, television antenna, the big television tower in Espo. Espo, it's a city near Helsinki. Uh, and uh, they built it extra tall. It was way taller than it should be. And well, guess what? Why? To read the signal to reach Estonia. So, yes, since the 70s, Estonia had Finnish television as was watching Finnish Ula Isatio. That's uh, this public television, uh, Ula Isatio. And they were, yes, and this is why they know it. My, my mom knows Finnish because of that. 
we have the, the same thing in uh, western part of Ukraine, uh, like when uh, older generation knew Polish as they listened to Polish radio uh, during Soviet occupation, like it was uh, 70s, 80s. So the, the same as you have with Finnish, we have with Polish. I want to add here, you just said occupied by so Soviet Union, Ukraine was occupied. I agree with you, but it's quite interesting that uh, your country, Estonia, and all Baltic states, uh, they, you know, nobody recognized, nobody in the West recognized uh, Baltic states uh, as a part of the Soviet Union. I mean, but Ukraine Not was recognized as a part of the Soviet Union. I don't know why. Well, uh, first of all, there were countries in the West who actually recognized uh, that uh, the Baltic states are the part. And you will be surprised who is that. And we will be very surprised who, will, who was that. They apologized greatly after that. It was Sweden. They did recognize the occupation. They said, yes, okay, you're gone, that's all. Hmm. And uh, um, in the... Back in the 90s, uh, um, okay, so yes, they apologized after that. It was like, uh, said it was very, very ugly for that, and we let you down, and uh, yes. But that was it, and after that, um, sort of, uh, you know, Swedes, they are, let us say, I, I have some Swedish heritage too, and, um, and well, what I say, I have this love-hate relationship to Sweden because some th some things they do like I said oh my god what the what are you doing like why like you're smart guys why are you doing this and on the other side when I come there I feel very welcomed I feel at home in Sweden so it's yes for me it's love and hate with Sweden and I guess it's the same in Estonia some of them just think gosh they are just those snobs and so on and so on and uh, yeah so yes Sweden did it actually recognize it's not all black and white and there were some dots and there were some people who you'd never believe would do it but they did it Okay, so I guess you were speaking right now, but I haven't heard nothing, so maybe you can uh, repeat it. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, so um, can you tell me about uh, Kaya Kalas and her Liberal Party? Can you tell me her, you know, a political career career, and uh, what, it, what it's like to live under uh, her rule? I mean... Right. So, what it's like to be under leadership of Kaya Kalas? Well, in Estonia, we don't have the thing under someone's rule, and have some. No, it's uh, it's in Estonia. It's Estonia is very liberal uh, democracy. It means that we, well, we choose this person, and then we throw a, ro a lot of dirt into them because no matter what they do, they do it wrongly. It's like, yes, we uh, are very critical of our leaders, elected leaders. So, well, I admire everything she does. Um, uh, she she's an absolutely great leader in the on the um, 
how to say the international scene she is absolutely irreplaceable as a voice for for democracy for ukraine for fighting russia for fighting any uh, tyranny she is a, a absolutely pivotal vo- voice for that she did like uh, because, because she can explain very difficult things with very simple words that is her like the the best quality she really explains things like to a three year old she she has this uh, talent and patience to understand to explain to a people who um, ask very provocative actually i heard a lot of interviews with her very very provocative um, questions and she answers very quietly and as she's speaking to a three year old kid and yes everyone understands she has this reach she can reach to the people and speak to them so on this place yes i i vote for this country for this for her party most of the time like most of the time i vote for that party because they are like mm, the most anti russian uh, like anti russian party and they are the most those who they are pro uh, economic growth and they are the those who actually made Estonia at the moment what they are. Go ahead. Yeah, again, I I have questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I found out a lot of things. Thanks for you because about uh, Finland, about uh, uh, German influence on Estonian language, it was like uh, absolutely new information for me. And uh, I have a question about uh, relationships between Baltic uh, state, uh, Baltic states. Yes, because uh, you know uh, we have some relationship with Ukraine, Poland, yeah, Ukraine, uh, uh, Hungary, uh, oh. <laughs> uh, and it's like. Uh, almost like human relationships and uh, i want to know what history you have between like you three like always in you and uh, it's always like a uh, baltic states baltic states but it's mm, it's to three different countries and of course you have some interesting relationship between uh, uh, these countries and i have I want to know about this anything because I don't I know nothing about this. Uh, okay, yeah. So what what we start from? We are not even genetically connected. <laughs> we are well, we say that we are three sisters, yes. And like a... I know because like a, a Baltoslavic languages, Estonian is not Baltic languages no. at all. No. Uh yes, uh, uh they uh, Latvia Lithuanian are a bit closer than we are. We are closer to Finns, actually, yes. So we it's um yes, they as the, the memes say and the famous meme, why when Russia uh, Russia is pissed, it's always you three. Like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. It's completely true. Uh this meme is uh it's true, but we are different. We are very different actually. We um we are neighbors. 
but we are not relatives <laughs> that, that treat us as good neighbors. We are three good neighbors who are friends. Don't treat us as relatives. We are not relatives. We are three neighbors, three good friends. Yes, we have like, because we are very small, we have like this um, personality, uh, interpersonality relationship between us. Yes. Uh, well, we have this small competitions coming up like who has the best diary products because we all three have very good diary products and meat products like we have this stony stony land here and swamps and we cannot grow wheat like you do in Ukraine we cannot do we don't have this land we don't have the black land maybe we don't have enough I don't know in, in our land maybe so we don't have this land to grow so much food here so we uh, have good meat we had good diary like milk products we have the this cut sandwiches and like all kinds of they have like fridges of uh, milk products and you, you can if you go to any store the the diary products will take a huge part of it because we have so many of it cheeses like oh my god how much how many beers we have yes and we have a competition about this. It's like, what? Your carums, carums, it's a uh, Latvian uh, cut. Uh, this, it's uh, like this uh, cut uh, desserts covered with uh, chocolate or something else. They are very different in our countries. Lithuania, Latvia, and uh, Estonia. There are like many companies who do this. And we have this uh, competition, who does the best diary, who has the best beer, who has the best meat, who has the best chicken, who has this, who has the, who has the best fish, and so on. Okay, on the fish side, it's mostly Estonia who wins, but okay, because we have the most sea uh, of them. Uh, th that kind of like, friends competing between each other who has more uh, like who is richer who has better like econom economy who has like uh, and so yes we're, we're just like three friends who have uh, the same goal uh, to thrive here on the Baltic shores and um, to be the part to be protected from the from uh, the eastern neighbor and um, uh, yeah so Treat us like three good friends who are some, who are partly yes we have things in common because Latvians also have song festival. Uh, I don't not sure about Lithuanians, uh, but Latvians also have the song festival. We have song festival and Latvians have song festival, and this is massive. It's like absolutely massive because the whole city is doing it. Like you understand, the capital is doing the whole capital is doing the song festival. So yes, it's very big. It's very big, but it happens only one time in four years. So yes, for a for a weekend, the whole city is paralyzed. Only once in so yes, in Riga and and Estonia. If uh, there are some people who came who saw that for the first time, they they were shocked. Like this is this is massive. Yes. So yes, that's a tradition. So the singing tradition. So the what we see, we sing and we dance. Not. On Lithuanians, maybe not so much. Uh, so yes, we are those who mostly sing and dance. So, uh, sauna, sauna is uh, that's Estonians who do it the most. Yes, Estonians who do the most. We are all are uh, absolutely democratic republics, but Lithuanians are Catholics. We are not. Um, 
we have all the freedom of um, faith in all three countries, but only the main religion only in Lithuania is Catholicism. In Estonia, we are we are rather indifferent of um, religion. We like we see it like well maybe in history books in a movie, but what? Can we sell it? Can we make something of it? Can we make can we make a startup from it? Estonians are the most workaholics of them, because like there is a joke that is not a joke. It's not a joke. It's a true life that if you why Estonians cannot have um, four day working week, like not five days working week to nine to five, or four day working week. Well, because on the fifth day they will create a startup. They will work anyway. Yeah. So actually, this is the. Uh, may Latvians are not so famous for that, but yes, in Estonia we are like crazy for those startups, and this is this is the uh, the ID, the electronic ID, the electronic voting is. It started from Estonia. It's still the most widespread in Estonia. You still can only vote on the... We still do it. We do it. I do it every day. I don't go voting to cast this uh, envelope to the box. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember doing it anymore. Uh, yes, we do like press the button uh, and uh, just select the code. Button, vote. Done. That's all. Uh, yes, Estonians are those who are the most um, about wasting the time. They hate it, absolutely. So they are very like, uh, if we agreed we come on uh, 13.00, it means we are 13.00 on the spot. And um, I don't know if it came from Germans who are like that or it's this natural. I don't know. But it was always like that. You have to be on the on the spot on the right time. So you are very punctual on this on this. Uh, Latvians maybe less less than that, but well, still the same. So the Christmas tree, yes, we have this <laughs> Christmas tree with Latvia. Uh, the we have the fort. We have this beef about the Christmas tree. Who had the Christmas tree first, Rika or Tallinn? Yeah. We fight because of that. <laughs> so we, yes, as you see, uh, we uh, here it's like like friends fight, you know, like like uh, good friends fight. Ah, you know, no, it was you who did this. No, you, I put this tree first. No, you put this tree first. Yeah, so it's like that. It's um, so, uh, but uh, linguistically, I can, I literally know two only two Latvian words. Yeah. Because this language is so different from uh, Estonian. And uh, what about, um, we are all uh, republics, we are all, uh, all three are republics. We elect our, um, uh, the president in Estonia, by the way, is not elected. President is not elected. Uh, it is, um, uh, there is an electoral commission who elects the president because it doesn't have the executional power. It's just representative power. So uh, the executional power has the prime minister. So we actually elect the prime minister. Uh, and the same is in Latvia. And the same is in Lithuania. So yes, we have this uh, parliamental republic. That's the same, in, uh, and the same is in Finland. It's the same. 
Uh, but I guess Finns vote for president, yes, because they will vote soon. In the in the spring they will vote. So, but yes, we are sort of I don't know because we were closer to Finland. It was like I don't know. Uh, as we call it, the 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 Swedes actually uh, call Finland Baltic state sometimes. We are partly agree on that because they are also part of this this Baltic like spirit or so on. But they just don't share some of our history, so they were less occupied and uh, less uh, slaughtered than us. And um, yes, so we have this friend relationship. Trees is like three friends who has some common things, who know each other since ages. And share a lot of points, fine, because because of stupid things. And yeah, so it's like that. We fight about serious things very rarely. Literally never. Yeah, it sounds like a healthy competition with the normal neighbors. <laughs> uh, Regina, I wanted to ask you how much more time you have to spend with us. Because I didn't ask you <laughs> before. Well, half an hour and then, well... Yes, that we'll call it a day in a, in a half an hour. Awesome. Uh, thank you. And if somebody else uh, has questions, it's your last half hour to ask. Regina, can I ask, um, how widespread is English in, in Estonia? Do, do most people speak multiple languages in Estonia? Well, uh, in Estonia... Uh, a lot of people speak English very well uh, because we don't dub films because we use a lot of Western producted uh, entertainment because we use a lot of this and the, the new newer generation literally speaks uh, uh, English uh, very fluently. Let us say amount of people who have uh, B two C one C. The younger generation, English is uh, quite big. So um, if you come here to Estonia and you don't know Estonian and you know English, you will have you will have literally no problem because everybody will understand you. The younger generation, the coffee, they all speak like uh, the waiter in the coffee uh, someone in the restaurant. She will speak or he will speak uh, uh, English to you. Uh, pretty good, decent English. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Interesting. Avit, I think you had a question as well. Yeah, I had a question on uh, Intimarium projects. Uh, what do you think about it? Like here and then, uh, there was some information spread about uh, Intimarium. And what's your opinion about it? Did you hear a question, Regina? Uh, yes. Oh, sorry. I forgot to switch on my mic. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, I heard about this project. Uh, it, it is, uh, well, a rather ambitious, ambitious one. Uh, is it doable? It, to some amount, I think, yes. If, the, if the, all of the parts will contribute, as in any project it is uh, doable. Um, what? will it bring there will be like the eastern flank of the european union or all the nato uh 
doing a better cooperation economically and militarily and so so on mostly economically um, yes it's a it's a great thing but how will it be executed how will they perform how will it will be done that's the that's the crucial part because like uh, we are as always like the small states uh, and this yes it's our the biggest problem we are the small states and so how much will there be um, what will it be because at the moment i see not really much progress of this and uh, we will see maybe it will work out um, indeed maybe it will be as um, like this project and will just a uh, uh, experiment of a kind but if something will work out from the pro- program, it will, it will be just great because the uniting all this, uh, let's say, um, improving cooperation be- between those countries will be uh, indeed great indeed. Because yes, we have. I have to confirm. We I don't didn't know about much about um, the like countries like on the like uh, Bulgaria and on Romania and so on, so on. And they will be the part of it. Okay, I knew about Ukraine only because my uh, grandmother lived in Ukraine a lot. Only because of that I know it. Uh, but for other people who like really know nothing about it, it will be better. So yes, improving, uh, the improving communication beco- between them is uh, very important. Yet we'll see how will it, it work out. So you see this uh, union more like economical one, and what about its military potential, like being a uh, uh, gondo uh, against Mordo? Mm, well, uh, again, uh, it all it will be great. It will be like this um, uh, additional addition to the. Uh, what we already have in NATO, because not all part of this, what should be uh, intermarium, uh, is in NATO. That's one thing. And that will be the addition. Uh, and uh, the, the military, I guess, again, how will it work out? How parts will be contributed? What um, agreements will be? What will be all of that? It's, again, if it will be like indeed an um something that is not connected to nato an additional one then it will be great because uh, well in nato they have their own regulations that uh, as you see with sweden right now they are stuck they are not approved everyone approved but those two nasty uh putin ass lickers don't want to approve okay well, we're stuck. We cannot do it. So if um, if we will see that the um, the intermarium then have to uh, accept that if you need all members' approval, that doesn't really work out. And those all or nothing uh, way uh, doesn't actually work. And the European Union already understood that if one country blocks everything like Hungary does like the moment, it doesn't work out. We need a majority. Majority vote that doesn't does decide. Because one country cannot actually dictate all the others who already agreed that no, we are not doing it. No. Do whatever you like. I'm out. I'm just 
leave it to you to decide how you will solve, solve my no. No, so yes, if uh, there will be more flexibility to this, it will be great. And an additional protection for those all countries included into, into Mariam. But again, it's a very new project and we will see how it works out, how the countries will work out of it. Well, sometimes I have a feeling that um, the old Europe is afraid of the um, unions between Baltic states and East uh, European countries because, um, like, for example, Estonia is more progressive country with young leadership. Um, and when we look uh, on the old uh, Europe countries like Germany, France, uh, they're really, really corrupt and they have, like, a little bit not progressive views on the things. Yeah, well, let us say, as um, uh, in um, some people really believe that, uh, well, what will it say about the old Europe? The old Europe, they, um, for them, uh, Second World War and all of that, all the consequences ended on 8th of May, 1945. For others, on the Warsaw Pact, it ended in the ninety in, in the nineteen ninety one, when Soviet Union collapsed. So, this is the line where is the the breakage goes. Uh, for all those who were under the Warsaw Pact, uh, they see what Russia really is from inside. They know it. Well, let's see about, okay, Hungary is another thing. They are corrupt to the core. They really need to get themselves together. They were under that. They had this, uh, um, the uprising that was uh, crushed brutally by Soviet tanks. But, well, I guess, I guess for Orban, for any oligarch, and Orban is an oligarch, uh, money means everything literally, like money. That's all, money. Uh, and then we we cannot speak about anything, but yes, he is after the money, that's all. Uh, greed makes people very stupid. Uh, it's absolutely true. Great, uh, and stupid people are greedy. That's what I found while like looking at those people like Musk and so on. Yes, stupid people are greedy and uh, greed makes people stupid. Uh, so, uh, yes. They uh, that that's the where the border. Um, that's this like the border. The, the problems that Western countries face are a bit different than the problems that the uh, Eastern European countries face, and how pe people see the problems in all the other countries, like what we see from the. Um, Central East European countries, what we see, what Western Europe doing, we sometimes think, are you nuts, guys? What are you doing? Are you okay there? Everything is fine? Not a bit? Uh, haven't been too much in the sun? Maybe you should go to the shade and cool a bit? No, maybe. Yeah. And just get yourself together and back to the reality. So I actually, when I was uh, watching how the uh, the the same 
the immigrant crisis, how they created it themselves, actually. Let us say, if you uh, let a lot of, out of purely altruistic ideas, you put, you let a lot of people from absolutely different culture, a lot of people from absolutely different culture that has nothing with your democratic country and values to do. Well, what did you expect? Uh, so they become immediately this with the same democratic mindset. No, they won't. They didn't came to your country to be democratic. They came to your country. Some of them really came from the war and to be safe. And some of them came for the social benefits. So you have to face this problem. No, they most of them won't integrate. It's the harsh truth. If a person comes from a very, very, very different background, it's very hard for him to integrate into a society. Like uh, I was very honest with myself, honest with myself, when I was thinking. I was asked uh, one question: "What is your favorite country?" Uh, I was like, "What question is that?" What could I because you cannot name it like that. Uh, you just have to think about, is it a country where I would like to live or a country I would like to visit? Those are two different things. Same is about you can only live happily in a country that is in line with your values. And, uh, well, if you come from, uh, for example, a very total, uh, very, very totalitarian country. Let's think about where a bribe you can buy it, but you can you can bribe everyone. Yes, like very corrupt. You think you habits of bribing and waiting for a master will disappear as soon as you step your leg from the trap of the plane? No. You will take this baggage with you to the new country. It won't disappear in a day. So, and if I, for example, want to move to other country, I would choose the country of the same values because, well, I respect privacy. I, as a woman, I would like to have an ability to... Uh, make my own decisions, leave my house alone to get any education I can and so on. So the country has to be in line with my values, the way of my life. So, and the people who come, okay, not from the Middle East, okay, from Russia too, they think that if they come to the, to Western country, they can live the same way they lived no, it's a, one of the biggest illusions that people might have and that will actually, yes, ruin their life. No, you have to adopt. That is the, uh, actually, one person reminded me about this uh, rule of survival, adapting. Yes, in case of survival in new environment, you have to adopt. And it's the same goes to the... Um, those people who live here uh, in Estonia, those people who came here, yes, they were actually, when, well, we have to think, they were 
they were actually thinking about coming here to get a better life because they were living somewhere, I don't know, um, Siberia? I don't know. Some poorer regions? No idea. Somewhere else? And um, and they decided to stay here after uh, uh, Estonian Republic was um, got its independence back. They decided. But they also decided to leave the old ways as they lived uh, while the Soviet Union occupation was still going on. What they did, they failed. They failed massively because uh, they thought that but 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 in Soviet Union, I didn't have to learn the Estonian language. Why they make me learn Estonian language, those fascists? Well, no. Now it's Estonia and you have to adapt to Estonia in order to survive here and to live a happy life here. Yes, you can absolutely live a happy life here in Estonia. It's very, very possible, even without dark nights even without our, well, nasty weather, windy weather, a lot of sea, a lot of, like, storms, a lot of, yes, we, <laughs> very flat country, a small, you can have a very, because it's actually a very beautiful country, um, you have to, you can live here a very happy life. Well, I was really thinking, in my youth, I was thinking about moving from here, but at some point I decided this Estonia is too beautiful to move from here, and it's way too comfortable country to live in. So, um, yes, that's why I stayed here. So, uh, but, yes, if you decide that you want to live here, and you want to have a happy life, to enjoy all the possibilities Estonia has to offer, and that's quite a lot, because you can get a second, uh, uh, multiple educations, and some of them are for free. Yes, you can study for free in Estonia. Wow! You get multiple degrees just because people pay for that, for you to get it. You have a lot of, you can go to uh, other universities in other countries. If you are a citizen, oh, so many doors are open to you. What are you like waiting for at Limbic for this? Just stuck your nails into this old life. This old life is dead and it won't come back. And you just have to face reality. You live in the new reality. The reality of Soviet Union is gone and it won't be back. And if there's any chance that it will be back, as you know, you won't like it. No. Those people who were waiting for this in Ukraine, they won't like it. No. Even those who are waiting for this Ruski Mir, did they like it? No. They are complaining right now openly on telegrams how, what, what, the, what the shit did you broke here? I was expecting, what, you were waiting for the ice cream for uh, tw uh, 20 kopecks? Or the sausages for 50 kopecks. No, they won't come back. No, you have to adapt to the new world. So, yes, that's um, that's just how it is. So, uh, as my friend, who is actually from Moscow, who, um, right after occupation of Crimea, she just took her kids, her two kids, and said, like, 
just we're leaving. We are not uh, we are not connected to this country anymore. Just let's go somewhere else. No future here available. Now this future here in in Moscow is is uh, is gone. So yes, she sold her apartment, moved to Silamaya, um, and uh, well, she still lives here. Soon she will get uh, her um, Estonian passport. And because and I have a lot, quite now I have a lot of friends like that who they despise Russia. They hate Russia absolutely. They were born there, but they hate it because they know it's country with no future at all. The in this, like in this form, with this rule, with this system, this country has no future. So they wanted to have a future and moved out. Uh, like. Um, so she wrote, she also writes articles, so she wrote an article, if you want to share it, if you want to read it, it's in Russian, uh, in Estonian newspaper, uh, I can share it to you. So it's an absolutely marvelous article about the choice as a person who, who is living right now in Estonia, and Russian-speaking person, has to make. And, uh, well, I guess it's, it's a very beautifully written article. It's it's everything. I absolutely agree. And I will sign under every word she said in that. That you have to, first of all, yes. You have three possibilities here. You you can learn Estonian language. Learn English language. You can, uh, and then after that, so many possibilities open up to you. Oh my God. You can literally do this, do that, do this, do that, do that. And most of the, those things will be for free for you. Um, then you can just sit and whine about how bad life is, how unfair is that yet you couldn't. Well, no one made you study Estonian. Well, the small language is, as they say in Russian propaganda, dying out language. Like, this language won't exist in, like, 50 years what this language is why you should learn it no one will speak it soon anyway yes you can do that and uh, will uh, you won't have those possibilities and you can go even deeper you can pray soviet union you can wait for this to go uh, to come back and yes you can even something do something for it to come back well i guess well the result will very negatively surprise you yeah, so, yeah, this is actually what I wanted to say on this topic. It's as usually it was me, when I start speaking, it gets very long. So I'm sorry for that. You happen to give us some guidelines for our future. Well, I really hope, because we have we did this already, and we have this, what, we, what to do with our Vatniks. Well, they, they are really actually tough. What, what you have to understand... They understand really only power, just like Russia. They only understand power. If you do this decision, like get out, and that's all, get out. Well, upload it. It will be way later, uh, easier. No, please don't leave. No Russian school in your country. Please don't. We did this. Oh, you. If we had still, uh, if that's the mistake we made. Uh, we were thinking that, well, it will be easier for Russians or those who never spoke to adapt to Estonia. No, don't do it. It's not. 
Lithuania, uh, Latvia did the same. Uh, Lithuania did, didn't do it. They said like, oh, Lithuanian schools only. And just, just don't. Don't even stop on this. Yes. <sighs> they don't have this problem with Vatniks. They don't have. No one demands a Russian language in Lithuania in year 2023. No one. Yes, they still demand in uh, Latvia and Estonia because we still have those schools in Russian language. Please don't leave any Russian schools in your... Like, you can't have private schools. Like, those people pay money to go there. But no public schools. Please don't. Don't leave it. You don't need it. Believe me. It will be a huge mess. Like, not making them comfortable... No, no, you, no, they don't understand it. They they think you, as they usually think, Russians, they think you are weak. They think you can be tricked, you can be played, you can be abused. You sh- Yes, they see it in this invitation to abuse you even more. No, uh, well, uh, I have Russian clients. I, I am an entrepreneur. I'm not only a teacher, I'm an entrepreneur too. Believe me, it works. If you treat them like shit, they behave. Like, I don't understand why I have to... First of all, I don't want to treat them like shit. I don't want to treat them like shit. They just got used that if someone treats them like shit, uh, they who treat them like shit has, have power. That's exactly... And yes, I'm like, I, I don't want... like. A Russian client comes, starts demanding. I start acting like a complete bitch, and and then put them on. You want this? Look in your in this our agreement. We have this, this, and you sign this bullshit. And then you, uh, 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 uh. sorry, no, you signed it too. But yes, I have to be like. I hate being like that, acting like that. I absolutely hate it. But, well, here we are. Here we are. And there is nothing I can do. Yes, I won. I I, I almost, almost always win the, those fights. Because I act like a complete bitch. I, uh, I hate myself after that because I hate treating people like that. It's not what I do, but I know it works. And I get my money. My honestly earned money like it never works with Estonians never don't even try to do that with Estonians you you will never see them again <laughs> like, literally it will be the last time you will even uh, see them because they uh, they can um, I just have to say there are some Estonians who um, well got this Soviet influence and still play those games, but those old, older generation, they knew it. They don't understand it. They don't understand it. They play different games. They have different games, um, but they are not not the public games, not knows the public games, like the Russians do. So, yes. Yeah, so, yes, actually, this, uh, once I had a neighbor uh, in my flat in central Tallinn, um it's a story building and i had a neighbor i knew who it was i knew he was russian i just knew and um 
I've and, and one morning uh, it was a very hot summer day. I of course I w- went sleeping with an open window. I like like okay mosquitoes come and eat me alive. I don't care. I just want to breathe because I actually very. Uh, I don't like hot weather. I'm not good with hot weather. I'm like I'm a northern person. I like snow. I like cold. So I'm better. It's better for me to put some layers on than to just I don't know. I have to peel my skin off or some. I I cannot stand that. because in Estonia, uh, I have a comparison moment because my English teacher in my uh, school she's she's from um, Berdyansk. She's from Berdyansk, and she. She said to me, no, 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 your heat here in Estonia in summer is completely different. It's suffocating. You cannot breathe. Yes, it's like a soup because we have a high humidity in Estonia. So, yes, I slept with open window. Uh, I found a sick on my, on my window inside. I knew who, do, who does this. Because there is only one person in this uh, above my flat who smokes, and actually smoking from the window is forbidden in Estonia. You cannot just like open the window and smoke from out of it, because these ashes can fall down and cause the fire. And did in and they did cause fire. And uh, so I, what I decided. I decided to act the Russian way. <laughs> I knew he's Russian, he will, he will understand, and he will never do it again. How to do it? I uh, I took a picture of this sick. It was half smoked sick. It was like some of this left, and most of this was smoked. So yes, it was used one. Um, and on three languages, I wrote a note. It, it was read in English. It was the, uh, the same message, just uh, in Russian. It was the most like most uh, harsh words in the Russian. So uh, to those neighbor, to the neighbor who likes to smoke six in the morning, please note my flat has. An insurance. Do you have an insurance? No six since then. So I was just like hitting on them. So if I ever see, I will contact my insurance and demand them. Uh, and because this can cause fire, because the sick can. It did in Estonia. There were cases where dropped sick to another window caused fire. So uh, I will tell my soul they can inspect you and talk to you. Maybe you can... Uh, I Do you have insurance? Uh, the fact is that he rents this apartment. And the fact that his owner will get to know... The owner has the insurance of the, of the apartment, yes. If the owner knows that his insurance can be activated, can be used. He will just throw out this guy from the apartment. That's all. Yes, I was. Well, I was a. Was I quite a bitch? Yes, I was a bitch in this situation. Did it work? Yes, it worked. So this is how you deal. Do I like dealing with them? No. Do I have to deal with them as they live in a Stalin? Yes. 
it's another case of how you adapt to a situation. Yes, you don't like it. I don't like acting like that. I don't like hearing... Um, I wrote another um, story for one Russian newspaper here uh, because I have a very uh, good relationship with the with this editor who is Jewish and so yes we have very good relationship with her um, so about the how uh, Russian kids behave in public transport oh my god it's even worse than you imagine so I can open uh, go into a tram and we'll hear those words in Russian you know the words you will hear Exactly those words. Uh, screamed uh, like on the top of the lungs. So this is how they behave. So. so at one point I decided stop it. I will just shame everyone on this article. Yes, it will be soon printed, this article. Because I was just absolutely, it was horrible. You go um, in the evening, you go from a cinema with your kid. My kid is 10, she understands Russian, and she asks me, why are they so rude? What can I say to her? Because their parents are the same? Because this is the truth. Their parents are the same. They learn those words from their parents. Because what those words, you know. You know what the words I mean. Yes, so... So, yes, this is how it is in Estonia so so well I guess it's like uh, 10 already is in, in Tallinn and uh, uh, would you be very angry with me if I go and start preparing my my kid for the bed or would you like to ask me something else yeah th thank you regina for coming for our space uh sam can you wrap it up i have a problem with my daughter right now uh okay yes so yes so thank you for inviting me on this space and Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to hear from you. Uh, um, I guess, uh, Rita, you wanted to ask me something, I guess, or was it accidental? Yeah, I just wanted to summarize that uh, you and uh, us are very, very similar in history basis, in uh, background basis, and uh, what we've got from occupation. So that's uh, amazing, like very, very similar. Like all the events, the, the historical events that you talked about, about the festival, well, also had uh, one in 70s. So the similarities are astonishing. So, well, it, what it means that maybe all those examples and some guidelines I just shared with you, what uh, I guess they will be helpful because, well, there are some milestones that Estonia maybe have already uh, passed and that what might 
way to Ukraine in the in the future, and what what to do, what not to do, what are the. I hate. I hope they will be helpful uh, uh, for you to develop your country in the best way. Um, Volodymyr, did you have one last question? No, I I didn't have any questions. I just wanted to uh, thank uh, Regina for you know uh, supporting our country's cause. You know, uh, for promoting it, uh, for popularizing it, and you know, I really enjoyed uh, listening to her speak. You know, yeah, I think it's been great. Uh, so, thank you, Regina. Okay, thank you so much for your feedback. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. It was such a pleasure. And I think let's let's leave it at that. Um, but thank you again. And I hope that we can um, work together more in the future as well, because um, 